Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you well today? You're doing well. You're doing well. You're doing wonderful. Come on, let's thank God for the worship team. Don't they do a great job every Sunday? They do a great job. Okay, so if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2. We're going to start here. We're going to talk this morning about uh, the importance of doing life together. And uh, so we're going to kind of switch gears. We've been talking about uh, work on Sundays and rest and what it means to be a human, what it means to have a calling. But today we're going to talk about life together. So we're going to start here in Acts 2. And verse 42, this is the early church, the first day of the church in Acts 2. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. Verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this morning, I want to talk about life together. Life together. Now, this is one of my favorite messages to preach because it's changed my life the most. And if, if I was going to be one of those preachers, you know how every preacher's got like a message. Wow, what happened to y'all today? You're so quiet. Let's try this again. You know how like every preacher has like a message. Like let's, let's say dad, for instance, like if they were going to say, what should dad preach on? If he got to heaven and God said, what you want to preach on? What's that go preach on? Angels. angels, of course. You go preach on angels. If like brother Kennedy Hagen, a legendary man in the faith, if he went to heaven, they were going to say, what you going to preach on? He's going to say faith. You know, it, it, different people, they have a life message. You know what my life message is? Doing life together. That's my life message. If I was going to preach on any verse or verses in the Bible, it would be Acts 2, 42 through 47 about the early church and what they did as an early church and as a group of believers that made them so powerful. That, that how did that early church change the world? How did that early church go from 3,000 people to 5,000 to 10,000 to 100,000 to hundreds of thousands to millions to billions today? How did it change the world in the past 2,000 years? It's because they did what they did from Acts 2.42 through 47. This is the way they lived, and they lived life together. It's important. It's so important. And so today I want to talk about life together. Now, life is not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived together. Now, we, we see this idea all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis, now, for the series we've been in about work, we've been talking about the importance of the beginning. In Genesis, what God called Adam and Eve to do. Now, in Genesis, there's... a a few things we talked about on Sunday mornings, but right in the first few pages of the Bible 
it brings up who you're doing life with. So we see for all of us as humans, you realize God created us so he knows what's best for us. Are you with me? He created us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what we need. He knows what human beings need to flourish. And within the first few pages of the Bible, God gave mankind three things they need to live a life that's flourishing on this earth. You know what those three things are? We talked about them the past few weeks, but within the first few pages of the Bible, the first thing that God gave Adam and Eve was identity. He gave them an identity. That's who they are. Now, who they are is they were created in the image and likeness of God. He gave them identity. So you have to have identity. To, to, to flourish as a human, you have to have identity. And that identity has to come from God. The second thing he gave them was a calling. That's what they were called to do. They were called to do something. And we've been talking about that. We talked about it last week. He gave them a calling. Now, their calling was to be fruitful and multiplies, to subdue the earth and have dominion, to work the garden and keep it. He gave them a calling. But within the first few pages of your Bible, right after he gave them identity and he gave them a calling, he said, man needs community. He needs somebody to do this life with. It's great that he knows who he is. It's great that they know what they're doing, but they need people to do life with. So within the first few pages of the Bible, he gave mankind identity, calling, and community. Because we need community. Genesis 2, verse 15 through 18. We're going to read it because this is the account of it. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. But the Lord... God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. But notice God said, it is not good that man is alone. Within the first few pages of your Bible, he gave him identity, calling, and community. Because we're wired for community. We need community. We need to live this life together. And not just with anyone, with the right people. Now, now so many people say this, and it's Christians who want to get out of right community. They say, well, all I need is God. You know, all I need is God. But God said... You need people. So who's right? You or God? Because you said all you need is God, but God said you need people. He said in the first few pages of your Bible, now understand, we're talking about this is a perfect world with no sin, with no sickness, with no pain, with no depression, with no anything. It's completely perfect. Adam is is living in a completely perfect environment. It is heaven on earth. And God said, I know me and you are here, but it's not good that you're alone because you need other people that are just like you. And it's awesome that you relate to me, Adam, but you need other human beings to relate to. You need to have a relationship with me, but you have to have a relationship with other people. It's not good that you're alone. 
It's not good that you're alone. You need people. Now, I know some of you in here introverted and extroverted and who knows what you're verted. You're just, you got issues and I got issues too. Now, realize when I was younger, I was an extreme extrovert. Extreme. I was like, I don't want six people there. I want 600 people there. I, the bigger the party, the better. I, I thrive off people. I, I love people. The louder, the, the bigger the party, the more dancing, the crazier it gets. Let's invite everybody. And I could do that every night of the week my whole life when I was younger. But guess what? Now that I'm getting older, 36, I've noticed I've become more and more introverted the older I get. Maybe because it was just tired of y'all. Just tired of people at this time in life. I had too much when I was younger. But my personality has changed. I like Charleston State Park, where there's no people, just trees, just peace. I like being by myself now. I used to not like being by myself. So my personality has changed. And, and all of you are in different categories. You're an extrovert, you're an introvert, you're in between. But guess what? For all of us in here, Y'all still need people. I don't care how you're wired or how you're, you're emotionally made up. You still need people. Now, some of us need people more than others, more often than others. Some of us need people less than others, less often than others. But no matter where we are at in here, we need people. It's not good that you're alone. And God said that in the very beginning of time, and he's still saying it to all of us in here. It's not good that you're alone. Now, we know this because of COVID. They found out during COVID, the consequences of COVID were worse mentally and emotionally because we are away from other people. Now, being sick with COVID was bad, but being socially isolated and completely away from everybody else, hurt us more than anything else. The people that were supposed to be in school, the people that couldn't go to their job, being socially distanced from each other hurt us as a country, as a world, and we're still paying the emotional, mental effects of COVID because we were isolated for years. I think God said that it's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. And we found out that very clearly when we literally could not be with each other. It's not good that we're alone. You know, anytime you're depressed, it's usually when you're alone. You know, when you fall into temptation, it's when you're alone. You know, when the enemy messes with you and and discourages you and you have anxiety, it's when you're alone. It's not good that you're alone. You need people, and I need people. We need to live this life together. Okay, now let's go a little bit further. God wired us for community. He wired us to need people. God said it's not good that we're alone. But relationships are so important because life change happens in the context of relationships. Life change happens in the context of relationship. I've seen that in my own life, but I've seen that in the lives of other people. 
Every person I know that is growing spiritually, they're getting stronger, they're getting healthier, they're thriving in life is because they are involved in community. They have strong, godly, right relationships in their life, and they change in the context of relationship. Now, Pastor Nancy said it like this. She said, when God wants to bless your life or to grow your life, he sends somebody. But when the enemy wants to hurt your life, he sends somebody. Why? Because we all change in the context of relationships. Now, sometimes that's a good change if it's the right people, but sometimes it's a bad change if it's the wrong people. But either way, our life changes and we grow in the context of relationships. That's why it's so important we have the right people in our life. Now, we see here in the book of Acts chapter 2 that immediately as soon as these early believers got saved on the day of Pentecost, there was 3,000 of them, the Bible says, immediately when they came into Christ, the early church put them into a community. Because they realize you are not going to survive without community. You need other people. It's great that Jesus changed your life. But to grow in that life change, you need people. To grow spiritually, you need people. To be healthy as a believer and a follower of Jesus, you need people. It's great that Jesus changed you in an instant. But to grow, you need other people. You need community in your life. And the book of Acts echoes that and says that they, the early church immediately, when they came into Christ, they came into a community. So can we read some verses for a second here? Acts 2, verse 37. Peter's words pierced them, pierced their hearts, and they said to him to the, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and be turned to God. That that's salvation. And notice what he said the next thing they need to do. They need to be baptized, baptized in water, be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to all who are fall off, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I got more scriptural ground. I, I, didn't I find one of these verses the other week and said they preached for a long time? Okay, I'm just saying. I'm going to try to go shorter today, but it's biblical to preach for a long time. Strongly urging, urging all these listeners, save yourself from the crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So notice what happened. And then immediately, once they came into Christ, they got into community. And what happened? All the believers. So we're talking about all 3,000 of them. Immediately, once they got saved, they said, for you to be healthy and strong and thriving in your relationship with God, you need a relationship with other people. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
Now listen to this. And they worship together at the temple each day. Now, y'all got to be kidding me. (laughs) Us American believers, we are, we need help. We need prayer in America. You realize that these people were meeting every day? Now, and don't think these were all like homeless people. These were, these were people that had jobs, they had families, they had a life, but yet they were so excited about the church that they were a part of. They were meeting every day. They were meeting every day. So if I start putting more services on the calendar, you're going to be with me, right? Because they said they met every day. They met every day. Why? Because they were, lo- they were loving what they were a part of. They're like, man, I can't wait to get back with these people because my life is changing. They were excited about the church. Notice they said they worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. But notice a part of this community what happened once they got into christ they got saved they got water baptized which was an outward expression of an inward change they got filled with the holy spirit they immediately put them into community they started doing life together because life change happens in the context of relationships now stay with me the early church it says what what did they do they met together They came to listen to the word of God preached by spiritual leaders in their life, like you're doing right now. It says they prayed together. It says they ate meals together. Can I get amen for Puerto Vallarta? Come on. Tomo. Mission Barbecue. Core Life. Okay, come on now. They ate their meals together. They shared in communion together, which we just took. It said that they came and they brought their their offerings to the church. So not anyone in that church had a need. But it says they met together in the temple. That's the large gathering. That's what we're doing right now. That's where they met in the temple. But they also met from house to house. They met in homes. So, So they were a part of the large gathering every week. They came to church, the bigger group like we're doing right now. But then they went outside of that and they met in each other's houses. And they shared meals with each other and they met in homes. That's the smaller gathering. That's life groups. But they did both. Why? Because they realized that we have to do both for life change to happen. Your life will only change so much just coming to Sunday service. Come on, I need your help this morning. I love you, but this is just a starting place, not the end of it. This is just the beginning, and your life will only change so much just coming to one Sunday service a week. If there's 160 plus hours in a week and you come here for two hours, your life is only changing just this much. But you have to do life together outside of church. That's when real growth and life change happens. That's how the early church was changing and growing because they weren't just gathering on Sunday. They were gathering throughout the week and the church was being added to daily those who were being saved. Come on, are you with me this morning? We need both, church. You need the large gathering, which we're doing today, which we do on First Wednesday, which we do in special meetings. But you need the small gatherings, house to house, restaurant to restaurant, park to park, home to home. You need to get together with other people because life change happens in relationships. Yeah. 
And don't act like you're having a relationship on Sunday morning. No, you're not. You're listening to me. You're not talking to anybody else. Don't act like Sunday mornings when you have a relationship with people at church. No, you don't. You say hi to them. You worship God. You hear my message and you go home. That's not a relationship. So that means it has to happen outside of Sunday service for real life change to happen. Every person I've ever seen grow in their relationship with God were connected in community. They did life together outside of church, not just Sunday morning only people. They were involved. And the people I saw that didn't make community a priority, their spiritual life dried up. They weren't thriving. They weren't spiritually strong. And a lot of times, eventually, they just fell away from their faith. Why? Because life change happens in context of relationships, community. We need it. It's so important. Now, you see this early church, it says they had the large gathering, which was in the temple, and the small gathering from house to house, let's life group. They did life together. It says, says they broke bread together. Sorry for you who love gluten in here, but, or if you're gluten-free, either way, but they broke bread together, so it's biblical, and they shared meals together. Now... When we say that, we're just like, yeah, okay, I mean, what? They just went to eat with each other. It's not a big deal. But in the Greco-Roman time, when the early church was living, it was a big deal with who you ate with because you didn't just eat with anybody. You ate with people who were the same as you were. And you didn't cross those lines. So, like, you ate with your same race. You ate with your same religion. You ate with your same uh, financial status. You ate with the same people as you, and you didn't get out of that because that's not what you did. Because meals were a big deal in the ancient world. That was you sharing your life with other people. Meals were such a big deal in the ancient world. I mean, and sometimes meals would go on for three, four, five hours because that's what they did. That's how they shared their life together. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because the early church was so unique And that's why they changed the world because there was people from every different part of society eating meals together, breaking bread together, doing life together. And the world around them, the Roman Empire saw that and said, what y'all doing? What is this community? Because you're not supposed to be eating with each other. But they saw this community of people that were so different from different backgrounds and different races and different places and different, different socioeconomic statuses. They said, what are y'all doing eating together? This is not normal. And it says that the outside world saw what the church was doing and said, I want to be a part of that. And that's why it says in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Why? Because the world around them said, I want to be a part of that community. I want to be a part of that community. I want to be a part of that. The way they love each other, the way they pray for each other. I'm preaching better than you responded today. The, the way they, they, they treat each other, the way they worship together, the way they do life together. I want to be a part of that community, and that community changed the known world. The past 2,000 years, that's why the, our complete world has completely changed because of the church. That church just started with 3,000 people living this way. 
living the way that God called them to live. There was Jewish people eating with Roman people. There was male, there was female, there was black, there was white, there was rich, there was poor, and they were all together. And the world around them said, we've never seen a community like that. That love each other, that are united together. But they were united about around one main thing. Now is Jesus. And we need to be united around the same thing. Morgan started to try to preach my message during the offering. But I want to tell you this morning, differences are good. Differences help us. Look at Jesus' disciples. They were all very different. And he did life together with them. There was Simon the Zealot who was literally trying to burn down the Roman Empire. Very violent. Then you have Matthew, the tax collector, who worked for the government. He was part of the IRS. They were both Jesus' disciples. Can you imagine the conversations when they were eating together? It was a little lively, but Jesus chose people from different places and different backgrounds to all to be together. Why? Because we all have our strengths. We all have our different gifts and graces and we all need each other and differences are good. And that's one of the reasons we need life group. Why? Because we need different people in our life and left to ourselves, We always buddy up with people that are just like us. They think just like us. They look just like us. They vote just like us. And that's not good for us. We need people that are different than we are. That's why we need the church. And our church should be like the early church. It shouldn't just be one type of person. It should be different people. And differences are good for us. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. That means differences. There could be a little friction, but that's good for you. You need that. You need differences. And you need to put yourself in places around people that are going to be different than you because it helps you grow. Life change happens in context of relationships. Now, I'm just getting warmed up because I'm about to preach. Because y'all have been too quiet, so I'm going to really have to let, let her fly here in a second. Differences are good for us. We see that in the early church. We see that in Jesus' disciples. But we need that today. It's good for you. Because left to ourselves, we're going to isolate ourselves in our little corner where it's easy. But you're not going to grow. You're not going to change. You need other people that are different than you. Now, I want to let you know, I don't want a white church. Where you at, white people? Amen. Y'all get so offended every time I say that. Y'all know I don't want a white church, though. I've said that enough through the years. Y'all know I don't want a white church. Y'all hear how quiet you are today? What's the major issue? Your whiteness is coming out during the message. But I don't just want a black church. I mean, I really do, but I can't say that publicly. I really do want a black church, but don't tell anybody. I don't just want an Asian church or a Latin American church. I want a church that has everybody. Why? Because differences are good. And we need to be a church that looks like heaven. 
If we're all going to isolate ourselves when we're here on the earth, we're going to have a rude awakening when we get to heaven. Because the heaven is supposed to be like this. The Bible says there will be every tribe, every nation, every tongue. So if y'all just been hanging out with your people this whole time, you're going to be shocked when you get there. But we need to have a church that looks like that. Why? Because the early church looked that way. You realize on the day of Pentecost, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, it says there was people from all over the known world in Jerusalem when it happened. Why? Because he was trying to give us a point. It's for everybody. And he wants everybody to be a part of it. And our differences actually make us better and makes us stronger. You know what? There's some of y'all that voted for Trump. And there's some of y'all that voted for Biden in the same church. I'm not going to make you raise your hands. You know what? That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Some of y'all are rich. Some of you are middle class. Some of you maybe don't have much money. And you're all in the same church. That's a good thing. We can help each other. We all got our different strengths. We all got our different graces. But differences help us. Just like the early church. Differences help. They help us grow. They help us change. They give us a different perspective of of life, of of how to live, of maybe even how to see the scriptures. Somebody that sees it differently than you and you're in life group, you're like, wow, I never saw it that way. Yeah, because you're not them. And you need that. Because iron sharpens iron. Let's look at that verse, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. Notice that when you get the right people around you, keyword right people in community, in the local church, it will sharpen you. It will make you better in every way when you get with the right people. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Let's look at the Amplified. I love this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. That's what happens in life group. How how do you get sharpened with other people? By conversation. By community. You don't get sharpened just by coming to church and sitting by other people that are different. You get sharpened by actually being in relationship with those people. You get sharpened by discussing the word of God with those people. You, You get sharpened by having conversation and relationships in the context of community. That's how you get sharpened. That's how you get better. That's how you grow. That's how you get healthy. We can only learn to a certain level on Sunday, but we really grow when we get to be a part of a group. We get into community. Let me give you another verse. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. You guys still with me today? Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead... Now, these are the key verses. We're talking about what we grow in groups. We grow in community. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, that's all of us, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part, not just the pastor, not just the pastor, all of us, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. It helps all of you grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Life change happens in the context of relationship. We grow when we're in groups. We grow when we're in community. The Bible says here that the church is a body and there is spiritual leaders in the body that are called to equip you and help you grow. But the whole body brings something into your life to help you grow. As each part does its special work, is what it just said, the whole body grows. As each part does its special work, the whole body grows. Not just the pastor. When you're in life group with somebody else and somebody brings up a discussion and they give you a different point of view, that person's doing their part and it helped you grow. When the life group leader speaks into your life, when you're just eating a meal together and you know it's a word from God for you, they're doing their special part and it's helping you grow. But on Sunday mornings, we can only learn and grow so much. We need relationships and community outside of here to really grow. We grow in groups and every part of this body, the body of Christ, all of us help each other grow. Not just me, all of us. Now, if the church is like a body, which it is, that's given in Ephesians and Corinthians, the church is the body of Christ. We see that Jesus is the head and we're the body. Now, so many people will act like, well, you know, once again, I just need Jesus. I don't really need the church. I, I just need Jesus. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need, you know, organized religion. I don't need the church. And it's, it's trendy to say that nowadays. It's cool to say that. I just need Jesus. I just love Jesus. I just don't love Christians. I've just been hurt by the church. I, 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 I just need Jesus. I don't need the church. That's not true. Because the church is a body. And when you separate yourself from community, is the same way if you cut off your arm and separated it from your body what would happen? It would die. If you cut off your ear, guess what would happen? It would die. And so many people are hurting their spiritual life and their spiritual walk because they're cutting themselves off from the body. Saying, well, I just need Jesus. No, you don't. You need the whole body. Because if you're cut off from the body, you won't survive long. You won't live long. You will die. And so many people's spiritual life is being hurt because they've been cut off from the body. Now, not to get too gory, but if you had your ear chopped off or an arm chopped off or a leg chopped off, what do they try to do immediately? They try to put it on ice. Why? Because they want to reattach it to the body so it can live again. Why? Because there's life in the body. And they realize apart from the body, that body part will die. 
It's the same way with you spiritually. So many people acting like, no, I can do it without church. I can do it without community. I can do it without life group. See how far that gets you. You will die. Just like a, a, your physical body, a body part a, 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 that's not attached to you will die. They immediately try to get it reattached to you. Why? So it will live because there's life in the body. They, they, put, they try to put the arm back. Why? They try to get it attached. Why? Because there's life in the body. They, they put the ear back. They put the leg back. Why? Because there's life in the body. And apart from the body, that body part will die. It's the same way spiritually. When we fight community, oh, you nobody, pastor. No, you, you're definitely the person you, that needs this. You need it. I need it. You need it. We all need it. We need community. We need the body because why? Every part of the body brings life to the other parts of the body. Every part brings their special part that brings health and growth. And the whole body is, is mature and full of life. Why? When every part is connected and doing their part in community. Can't be separated. Can't be separated. You could try, but it won't work. It doesn't work. Why? Because you're a part of the body. And you need the body for life. Now, now, so many people are like, well, well, I just need Jesus. Well, you only need Jesus to be saved, but you need people to grow up. And you're never going to grow up spiritually unless you have people in your life. Yeah, you only need Jesus to get to heaven and be saved, and he can only do that. We can't do that. We could just point you to that direction. But you will never grow up spiritually without people. You will never be healthy spiritually without people. You will never mature to the place you need to be spiritually without other people. You never will. You never will. Wow, it's so quiet in this Methodist Pentecostal Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints church this morning. You won't. I love you. I got to tell you that as your pastor, you won't. You need people. You need community. Let me, let me go a little bit further. You need people because we're all a part of the body. And every part brings life to the body. You need people to grow. You need people to be healthy. You need people to be strong. You need the right community in your life. One of the other examples given in your Bible for the church, we see the church is the body. It's the body of Christ. It's a body. Every part of the body does different things, and we all bring our part to the body, and it makes it one whole body, healthy, thriving, full of life, full of strength. But we all bring our part, not just pastors, all of us. We are the body, and Jesus is the head of the body. But the church is also referred to as family. The church is the family of God on the earth. Now, now some of the family members are here on the earth. Some of the family members are already in heaven. But we're the family of God on the earth. And we should treat it that way. The, the Bible says that in the book of Psalms that God sets the lonely in families. He sets the people that are looking for community, that need relationship, he sets them in a family. What's that family? The local church, the family of God. In Timothy, speaking to um, 
that group of people, Paul was writing to Timothy and he was telling them how the local church should operate and it should be like a family. He says, I want you to treat the older men like, like fathers and I want you to treat the older women like mothers and I want you to treat the younger women like sisters and I want you to treat the younger men like brothers. Why? Because the local church is a family. Yes, it's the body of Christ, but it is the family of God on the earth. And we should treat it that way. Now, now some of you have great families, and I'm all for that. But, but a lot of us don't come from good families or good backgrounds. Well, guess what? God gave you a family. It's us, y'all. He gave you a family. He set you in this place so you wouldn't be lonely, that you would have the right people in your life. And it should be a priority to us. One of the core values outside the church says living as a family is our priority. We should treat each other that way. Now, now I've grown, in, grown up in church my whole life. And this is all I know. But this is my family. Now, I, I barely know some of my uncles and aunts and cousins and people like that. I, I don't even know these people. They might have my same last name. But I don't know y'all. I'm not around these people. That's okay. I have a church family. And we should all see it as that. Not taking anything away from your natural family, but you have a spiritual family. And that's what the church is. But if you're outside of community, you'll never experience that feeling of family. When I look around this room, just like it says in Timothy, that's what I see. I don't see church members. I don't see just a religious thing. I go to church with these people. When I look at you, when I see older men that are older than me in here, you know what I think? I mean, that's my dad. I got a real dad right here. But that's my dad. That's my uncle. That's my grandpa. And not in this weird, like, cheesy Christian way, but, like, real way. Like, I look up to those men. Like, if I needed to call them, I would call them. Because it's family. I look at the, the older women in this church like my mom. I don't have a mom. She's in heaven right now. Miss Donna's my mom part-time. That's why she's on staff. I need a mom full-time that's paid for to be up here and to parent me at 36. <laughs> but the older women in church, that's what I, I see you as. You're, you're my mom. You're my aunt. You're my grandma. We should all feel that way about each other. It's not, I just go to church with those people. No, it's family. And God wants us to feel that way about each other or the, the younger women or the younger men as brothers and sisters and not in a way of like, how you doing, brother so-and-so or sister, in a Christian cheese, cheese ball way. But in a real genuine way, when I look around this room, yeah, that's my real sister, blood-related. But when I look around at all these women in here, y'all my sister. If you needed something like my natural sister... I would do the same thing for you. Why? Because we're family. Right. When I look around here at the, the men in this church, you're my brother. It's not this Christianese way, but it's real. But I should not be the only one who feels that way. Because that's what God said his heart for the church is. That we're not only a body, and we all play our different parts, but we're family. And a healthy church looks like a family. You got the old and the young. You got the middle age. You, you got the teenagers and the kids. You got, we got a lot of new babies in the back. Y'all are trying to grow this church for me, and I appreciate it. By any means necessary. Thank you. 
And you got middle-aged, and you, you, got, you got older people and younger people, and you got different couples, and you got singles, and you got everybody, and that's a healthy church. It should look like a family. But you, won't, you only experience the family if you do life together. You only experience the community and the family of God if you make it a priority. Some of you are really looking for that. You're needing that family. You're needing that community. You're needing those relationships. Well, it won't happen unless you make it a priority. The church is not a building you go to. It's a family you belong to. You with me this morning? One of the reasons we created Life Group, and I'm going to wrap up in a second, and we're going to have a time to sign up for Life Groups today. One of the main reasons I started Life Group, and this is not a, um, this is not like a exclusive idea that I thought of, like the early church thought of this. So it's not like, oh, pastor thought of Life Groups, what a creative idea. No, like the church of Jesus has been doing this for 2,000 years doing life together. But the reason I wanted to implement it in our church several, several years ago, and it's really changed the culture of this church, is because I don't want anyone in this church to feel left out. I don't want anyone in this church to feel like there's an in crowd and an out crowd. I don't want anyone in this church to feel like, well, I can't connect with people and I can't meet people and I can't. That's why we created life groups so everyone could feel apart. Everyone could meet people. Everyone could know people. Everyone could be known by other people. Everyone could be a part of the family. And that is a way to get involved in the church is through life groups. You're saying, well, I want to meet people and I want to know people and I want to be a part of community, Pastor. Well, the way you start doing that is get involved in life groups and then out of those life groups sparks relationships and community. That's how it happens in the context of relationships. But I started that because I don't want anyone to feel that way. And as you know, there's certain people that are just going to be bold and loud and boisterous, and they're going to meet everybody, you know, like AMC. He's not, he's not loud and boisterous, but he's a people person. He can meet anybody. But, but most people aren't, aren't that, that way. They, they need a little help. Meeting new people. They need a little help uh, getting into community. They need a little help being in relationships. So that's why we created a life group. It's an easy way for anybody to start getting into community. To start experiencing family. To start experiencing being a part of the body of Christ. So important. That's why we have it. But we need to make it a priority. The value out on the wall in the front, one of the values of our church is living as a family is our priority. Well, if you're going to be a part of the family, you got to show up. Let me say that one more time because you're not hearing me this morning. If you want to be a part of the family, you got to show up. If you want to meet people, you got to show up. If your family and your relationships are important, you got to show up. And make it a priority. Now, in my life, and you all know this in your own life, we're all so busy in here. If you don't make your family a priority, it just won't happen. 
You have to set aside time and put it on your calendar if necessary or put reminders on your phone, whatever you got to do. Even just your natural family, we all got jobs, we got crazy schedules. If you don't make it a priority, it doesn't automatically happen. You don't, you don't just have relationships with your family. You have to make it a priority. The same way happens spiritually. To be a part of the family, you got to make it a priority. It doesn't just happen automatically. Now, I know I'm explaining a little bit of why we do life groups, but it's important, and we're going to get to a point here. We, we made life groups on purpose to be able to fit into everyone's schedule in here. That's why we, we are doing it every two weeks or two times a month, and the different life groups meet different times, different days. So everyone in here, no matter what your schedule is with your kids or your work, you can find a group that's best for you. But even if we did all that, if you don't make living as a family a priority, you can't experience the family. You can't experience relationships. You can't experience community. Now, can I, can I challenge you for a second? I'm going I'm to I'm push you for a second here. Every semester, we've had such a great turnout for life groups. We've, we've had, every time, the life groups are overflowing with people. The sign-ups are great. You guys rock it on sign-up day, which is today. It's overflowing. The group's got 20 people, 30 people. It's like, we're only supposed to have 12, y'all. I, I appreciate your passion. Everybody's signing up. People are signing up for multiple groups, which is not even legal. But, but, they're, but, but they're just passionate because they heard my message, and they're excited about it. But hear me. We're talking about living as a family as a priority. If you don't make the family a priority, you can't experience it. A lot of us in past seasons of life group are pumped on the first day of life group season. But I've noticed this be a pattern is in a lot of the life groups, 20 people sign up, but 10 people actually come. Or 12 people sign up, but eight actually come. Now, let me, let me push you. Don't get sensitive on me. You can't experience the family if you don't make it a priority. You can't experience this community and relationship I'm talking about that will help you grow if you don't show up. Now, I love you, and I realize... Everybody's got busy schedules. I don't want to hear one more person say they're busy. We're all busy. Got it. But all of us in here make a priority what we think is important in our life. Are you here or are you here? No, what you think is important, you, you move your calendar, you do whatever it takes. Why? Because it's important to you. So let me just challenge you as your pastor today. I love your passion on Life Group Sunday but let it go beyond Life Group Sunday. Make it a priority. You say, hey, I want to experience what you're talking about, Pastor. I need to grow. I need people in my life. Well, you got to make it a priority. That means when you go back there and you see the dates, put it on your calendar and don't let anything get you off that date. In the same way you do for your kid's soccer schedule, in the same way you do for your work schedule, why? Because it's important to you and you say nothing's going to touch that. Do it the same for Life Groups. Y'all sit with me. Don't be offended. Now, you want to experience this, you got to make it a priority. But we see here, if we don't make it a priority, we're missing out. We're not really growing. 
And you can say, well, I'm in so-and-so's group, but if you never came, you're not really in that group, are you? Because no one knows you. You have to be in relationship to grow. Side note on that subject, because you're not breathing in here. (laughs) I told you I'm going to challenge you for a second, because it's important. I appreciate your passion to sign up on days like this, but I want it to last the whole semester. Because that's when your life is really going to change. When you show up. I know some of, the, some of you in here, this has been your reason for not showing up to life group. You've signed up. Maybe you did it online. Maybe you did it in the back. Maybe one of the staff members called you and was like, hey, we saw you didn't sign up for life group. You want to be a part of a group? You signed up. Maybe because you felt pressured to. Good. Because it's good for you. I would never apologize for pressuring you to be a part of a life group. Why? Because it's good for you. I'm a good pastor. I'm a good shepherd. And hey, little sheep, I'm saying, this is the way you need to go. This is good for you. It is. But a lot of times, this is what I hear that comes back to me. Well, pastor, you know, I love life groups. I I love life groups. I love my life group leaders, but something came up. And then the next one was like, hey, but pastor, I love this church. And I don't doubt that you're telling the truth. And, and I love my life group leaders. And I, and I love this. But something came up. Let me push back on that comment. Anytime you try to grow spiritually in your life, something will always come up. At this point, you got to stop, stop and start realizing it's not an accident. This is intentional that something's always coming up. You know who's trying to do it? It ain't God. Anytime you are supposed to be in the right place at the right time to hear the right thing, there will always be something that comes up. Anytime you try to grow spiritually, there will always be something that comes up. That's why anytime you read your Bible, why is there always something that comes up? Because you're trying to grow spiritually. Anytime you try to pray, there will always be something that comes up. Why? Because you're trying to grow spiritually. Anytime you're trying to go to life group and you know you need it, something always comes up. I wonder why. Because there's spiritual pressure because the enemy does not want you to do things that will help your spiritual life. Come on, are you hearing me today? Something will always come up. I'm I'm saying that. I'm not saying you're not telling the truth when you say that. But realize something will always come up. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen that in my dad's life. Anytime my dad went to a a special conference for Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy, other people that, that he loved and looked up to, every time something would happen the week before to make him want to stay home. Every time. It's not an accident. Why? Because when we're trying to grow spiritually, trust me, the enemy will make sure something always comes up. But if you have already pre-decided, hello somebody, that I'm going and this is on my calendar and this is what's best for me, then you'll make the right decision. Okay, you can breathe. I'm getting off that. (laughs) I'm trying to help you today. Here's something else we need to think about. And Brother Daryl, come save me from my own church. Here's something else we need to think about with life group. Thank you, D. If we're going to experience relationships and family and community, we got to make it a priority. You know that about your marriage. If you don't make it a priority, it doesn't just accidentally happen. It doesn't. 
You don't just accidentally get closer to your kids. You don't accidentally just get closer to the right people. It has to be a priority. It has to be intentional. It's important. But here's something to think about as well. Not just the fact that you need a life group, which you do. But what about your life group needs you? Now, some of you even more seasoned people in here were like, well, pastor, I'm pretty spiritually mature now. And I've grown up spiritually and I I got some things together. Great. You're the people we need in those groups. Because you need to be speaking to these people that are younger than you spiritually. So it's not just about you needing a life group, which you do, all of you in here, including me. But what about your life group needs you? What about there's going to be people that come into your life group that need you to speak into their life? There's going to be people that come to your life group that need your faith. There's going to be people that come to your life group that need your prayers. There's going to be people that come to your life group that need your perspective on life and on the scriptures. So yeah, you need life groups, but your life groups need you. Because you bring your part and it's unique to everyone else's part. They need your faith. They need your prayers. What about there's a person in that group that needs you as their friend? But you're just thinking about yourself. Well, I don't need life groups. I kind of got, I'm spiritually strong now. What are you strong for then? You're strong to help other people that are weaker than you. You're strong to help other people that are younger than you spiritually. You're strong to give that strength away to other people that need it. Help them carry their burdens. Help them carry their life. Help pray for them. Help be a friend of them. That's what you're strong for. So your life group needs you. Not just you need your life group. Look at what it says in Romans 1 and verse 11. For I long to to see you or to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, not just at church but in groups, I want to encourage you in your faith, but also I want to be encouraged by yours. Come on now, this is so good. This is so good. you got to help me lay in the plane here, but this is so good. Paul said, I long to see you. That's what happens in groups. You can't be pastored when no one sees you. You can't grow when no one sees you. You can't be helped if no one sees you. They got to see you. And guess what? I'm sorry to say, but Zoom doesn't count. FaceTime doesn't count. They need to see you. Can't get help unless somebody sees you. Who sees you? Paul said, for I long to see you that I may impart to you a spiritual gift that you would grow. Can we bring up verse 12? Why? And when we get together, now this happens on Sunday morning, but it also happens in groups. I want to encourage you in your faith, but guess what? Somebody needs your encouragement. You're just thinking about, well, I need people to encourage me, but what about you need to give encouragement to somebody else? And by you just showing up encourages other people helps other people. By you being a friend to somebody who needs a friend who's lonely in our church, helps encourage that person. By you saying, I'll pray for you. I'll believe with you. You have a family here. 
And yeah, I need life group, but my life group needs me. And your life group doesn't just need the leaders in the life group. They need you because you're important. The Bible says because there's mutual faith. When, when I come ready to give something and you come ready to receive something, we're both encouraged. We're both built up. We're, we're both encouraged in our faith to believe again when we come together. But in community, it requires risk. That's why so many people are hesitant to be a part of a church, to be a part of a group, to do life with church people because it takes you being vulnerable, takes you being honest, takes you being a person who listens and learns. But it's a risk. The Bible word for community is the word fellowship. It's the word konania in the Greek. It, it means a deep Friendship. It means intimacy. It means communion. But there's a risk that comes with that. Community is a risk. Relationships are a risk. And I'm going to be honest with you about it. Because I can't control all the church people at this church. Wish I could. But I can't. And you need to realize something about relationships. People will hurt you. And you will hurt other people. No matter where you go, no matter what church you're a part of, no matter what family you're a part of, why? Because people are people. But this is what a lot of people do because of that. I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt by church. They think, well, now the answer is isolating myself from people that can help me. And so I've been hurt by everybody. And, and a lot of people do this, not just in church. They do it because a marriage didn't turn out right. They do it because a friendship didn't turn out right. What do they do? They isolate themselves. They build walls around themselves. Ain't nobody ever getting close to me. Ain't nobody going to be a friend to me. I'm not going to be open or honest or intimate with anyone ever again because I've been hurt. A lot of people live there. That is such an unhealthy place to live. And I get it, and I understand it, but it is so unhealthy, and it's only going to hurt yourself. Because you're going to keep yourself closed off from actually the right people that can help you because you've been hurt in the past. And let me tell you this as your pastor. I'm sorry for the people that hurt you. I probably hurt you. Dad's probably hurt you. Staff's probably hurt you. Team leaders probably hurt you. And not on purpose, because we're people. You're not here because we're perfect. You're here at this church because Jesus is perfect. And we're all serving him. But I'm sorry if you've been hurt. But the answer is not, I'm going to isolate myself and never let this happen again. That's what we all do. I get it. That's why community is a risk. But God wants us to open ourselves up to the right people to be vulnerable to the right people, to be honest with the right people. And you're going to have to forgive whatever has happened in the past and let bitterness go, let offense go, and give yourself to community again. I love this quote. It says, community is where we experience our greatest hurts, but it's also where we find our greatest healing.
Community is always worth the risk. It's always worth the risk. It's where we find our greatest healing is with other people. So I'm going to challenge you today as we go back and we sign up and we talk to people, or maybe you want to sign up online. Community is worth the risk. But sometimes because it involves people, it's messy. It's sticky. It can be hurtful, but it's worth it. Especially if you get with the right people, they're going to heal you. They're going to help grow you. It's going to help change you. And I think there's no other place to find the right people than the local church, the right community. Not perfect. We're not perfect. We all got issues and so do you. But in the right community, you will be healed. I love this verse in James 5. It says, speaking to a local church, it says, confess your faults and your sins and your missteps to one another that you may be healed. That means you got to get with people, the right people, and open up and be real and be honest. And when you do that, God does something in you and there's healing that takes place. There's change that takes place. There's growth that takes place. There's life that takes place. But it only happens in the context of relationships. So I want to challenge you. Let's live life together. Let, let this be the best life group season we've ever had at Church on the Rock. Let's all be the most committed we've ever been to our life group to do life with them. And then out of that comes more relationships. And then out of that comes more relationships. And that's how the church grows. The Bible says in Acts 2, that's what they did. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Did you guys get something today? Come on, can you stand up with me? I appreciate you coming this morning. Thank you for being here today. So I'm going to pray for you in a second. And if you want to sign up for life group or you want to just see the life groups and uh, who's meeting and who are the leaders in the back fellowship hall in the back building after the service, we have some tables set up. We have an opportunity. You can talk to people and sign up for life groups. And if you don't have an opportunity to come back, to the back. You can sign up online on our website as well. But let me challenge you to do that. Take the risk. It's worth it. You will get out of life groups what you put into it. If you come closed off and like, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to talk. I don't want to meet nobody. You're not going to get much out of it. But if you say, hey, I'm going to share. I'm going to be real. I want to meet people. I want to be a part of the family. I want community. You'll be amazed at what you get out of it. Because we all need people. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we just love you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time in your house this morning. We thank you for this Life Group Sunday. We thank you for all you're doing in this church. We pray right now, Father God, that this would be the best season of Life Groups we've ever had. That there would be more unity happen. There would be growth that happens. There would be healing that takes place. That, Father God, that our lives would change and grow in the context of relationships. Father, I pray that no one in this church would ever feel left out. No one would feel lonely or isolated. Why? Because you have people for us. You have people that you've sent to be a part of our lives. Father, show us those people. Show us those relationships. Show us those groups. And we thank you for all you're doing in this church family. We thank you for a great day in your house. We thank you we go in your peace in Jesus' name.
Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.